presenting Detective Nick Harris in a salute to the law. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we again take pleasure in bringing to you the eminent Los Angeles criminologist and president of the International Secret Service Association, Detective Nick Harris, in another true life story proving to the youth of today the folly of committing crime. Now, Mr. Harris. Uh, thank you, Mr. Gibson, and good evening, everyone. Today is Memorial Day, and I have chosen a story which I will call The Author of Sacrifice. The facts were recently given me by a retired captain of police of an eastern city and concerned this very day. In fact, for ten years, just at midnight before Memorial Day, certain flower shops were broken into, and all the lilies of the valley were taken. The offender would always leave money on the counter to pay for the flowers and any damage to the property he had made as he gained entrance into the store. As he left no clues and never entered the place the same place twice, the police were unable to catch him until one night the captain of detectives took his assistant, Lieutenant Morrison, and drove to a well-known flower shop, one of the few that had not yet been entered. They parked their car in the shadow of a large tree. It was almost midnight. Captain Blake, why do you think this man will choose a particular shop tonight? Because, Morrison, he enters only the more expensive places where they sell the rarest flowers. And this is the only store of its kind that he hasn't already visited. You say you've gotten in touch with the owner of the shop and have had him advertise in the papers and over the radio a special sale of lilies for a Memorial Day? Yes, I figured the man would go to the store that had the most of the flowers he wanted. If you look at the window, you'll see a big sign advertising the sale. If you succeed in catching him, it'll be quite a feather in your cap. Now, I'm not doing this for glory. I believe there's something more in this case than the love of flowers. I think a deeper crime is involved. But why does he take lilies of the valley? Those are flowers a woman would choose. Rather than a feminine choice for a man, I should say. That's what I'm hoping to find out. There's a man coming down the street now. He's stopping to look into the window at the sign. And it's just midnight. Want me to get out of the car and question him? No. Wait till we see what he's going to do. He's going around to a side window. He crashed it. Yeah, let him enter. We'll get him when he comes out. I want to get him with the goods. Let's go. We'll wait for him by the window. He's got his arm full of flowers. He's put something on the counter and he's coming his way. That must be the money. Grab him when he starts at the window. <laughs> Take it easy, young fellow. Let him go of me. I'm not doing you any harm. You just stop struggling and no one will get hurt. You're not going to take me to jail, are you? Well, what do you think? Oh, but tomorrow's Memorial Day. I can't spend that day in jail. You should have thought of that sooner. Put the cuffs on him, Marston, and bring him over to the car. Okay, sir. Come on, you. Look out. You're crushing the flowers. Get in and sit down. Now, young man, let's have your story. My story? My, my story? Sure, why not? Why do you always steal flowers on the night before Decoration Day? And why do you always enter the shop just at midnight? Midnight? That's the zero hour. That's when we always went over the top. You were in the World War? Yes. You always leave money to pay for the windows you break and the flowers you take. Why do you get your flowers that way? Why don't you buy them like anybody else does? I can't tell you that. It's a secret. Oh, but I guess you might as well know the truth. The police were bound to find out someday. Yeah, so you better come clean. Well, my name is really John Roberts, and my brother's name was Jonathan. We lived in an eastern city. We were twins. We looked alike, but there the resemblance ended. Yeah? I went uh -huh. in for sports, especially hunting, and Jonathan, we called him Jot, was a dreamer. He wanted to be a preacher. 
In his spare time, he raised flowers specializing in lilies of the valley. He was quite a successful botanist. He was working on a new species and had almost reached success when the war broke out. Go on. Well, he called the flowers bells of heaven. He said whenever a pure soul went to heaven, the bells chimed. I kidded him a good deal about it, and I was ashamed for anyone to know he mooned over the flowers like a woman does, understand? Yes. Well, we were just 19 when the United States entered the war. I was wild with excitement and soon enlisted. Jot refused to enlist. He said he would if they drafted him, but he would not volunteer to go out and kill men like himself. Men who were forced to fight to satisfy the greed of others. Well, we quarreled. Some of the girls gave us a farewell party the night before we left for training. There was lots of fun and singing of war songs. Oh, yes, it's a Yanker and a man, too. Aren't you, Josh? Then why isn't he joining in the fun? And why isn't he in uniform like the rest of the boys? Why, he's enlisted, May, but he hasn't been called yet. You have enlisted, haven't you, Josh? Hey, John, I was just thinking. It's too bad twin brothers can't be together in the Army. It'll be the first time you've ever been separated, won't it? Yes, but Josh hasn't enlisted. He isn't going. <laughs> he's a conscientious objector. Why, Josh, you don't mean you don't want to go to war. A conscientious objector? Huh. A pretty excuse for a coward. Bill, that's a lie. Jot is not a coward. Jot, are you going to sit there and let him call you a name like that? He's entitled to his opinion. Why should I fight him if he calls me a coward? That doesn't make me one. Oh, 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 Jot, I'm disappointed in you. You're the only one of the boys here tonight that's not in uniform. If I'd have known you weren't going to enlist, why... Well, well, Bill is right. You're a coward, a worm. A man who won't fight for his country. Who won't fight for the right, but, but stays at home while others go to war. is was unspeakable. If you were as ill, it would be different. But you're big and strong, but and you But you should... forget, Helen. Jot is a conscientious objector. He just simply can't stand the sight of blood. It makes him so sick. And to hurt anything. Oh, horror. <laughs> Listen to me, all of you. Listen, I say. Listen. Yes, I do hate the sight of blood. Yes, it makes me sick. No, I have not enlisted, and I'm not going to unless I'm forced to do so. Bill has called me a coward, and I can see by your manners that you all agree with him. If hating war is being a coward, then I am a coward. But you girls sitting here in your party finery, and you boys proud of your spotless new uniforms, playing at being soldiers, what do any of you know about the horrors of war? Martial music the beating of drums, the goodbyes, and the excitement of departure. That is what you mean by war. How many of you here will ever return? Well, I will. Yes. Yes. But how? With broken bodies, sightless eyes, and minds clouded by the horrors of war. War, war, the battlefield, the playground of the devil, greed, hate, malice, the willing handmaids of the god of war, the lust for blood, crippled bodies, and the agony of body, mind, and soul, Men turned into fiends filled with the desire to kill, kill, and kill again. And for what? Possessions. Yes, material possessions, but one sweep from the mighty hand of God would make us nothing. That is war! Just listen to the little psalm-singing pacifist. Why try to hide a craven soul behind a cloak of so-called honest objection? Stay at home and play with your pretty flowers while the rest of us go out to bleed and die for the likes of you. You're young. Shut. 
If you take his insults lying down, then you're all he says and more. Take that, you coward. I'm ashamed to call you brother. Oh, Josh, aren't you going to stand up like a man and fight back? Are you going to let John get away with that slap? Why not? If thy brother smites thee on one cheek, turn the other. And that'll be enough from you, Bill. Is that so? And what do you propose to do about Just it? Just this! I thought you were the enemy come to polish me off. Oh, that are, dirt. Are you badly hurt, Obel? Oh, I can't tell. I've been lying here for hours in this shell hole. It's my right arm. I'm bleeding to death. So dark in here, I may have to hurt you. I can't see what I'm doing. I'll bandage the arm up as best I can. Oh, all right. Look, I can't stand it. Oh, it's, it's almost I know you. My name... Is John Roberts. My... And... John, my I... brother. What? I didn't even know you'd enlisted. I joined the Red Cross. I shoot them and you save them. Boy, I'm glad to see Water. Water. Mine's empty. Where is yours? Mine's empty, too. There's a dead man over there a little ways. I'll get to He won't need it anymore. You can't go out there. You'll never make it. I'll... They'll get you. Is that you, Judd? Yes. Uh, here is the water. Judd, you're bleeding. Yes. Shell had my name on it. I'm going west. No. No. No, just lie quietly. It'll soon be morning and I'll come out to look for it. Uh, no. The end. Judd, are the police still looking for me? Yes. For killing Bill. War. Death. Blood fields soaked with your blood to satisfy the greed of man. John. See how they grow. Field is covered with lilies. Well, they are uneasy. A soul is passing. You can hear the bells chime. I not until we No. Shut. Shut. My brother. Dead. Goodbye, old man. I'll be seeing you sometime. That is my story. I knew the police would be looking for me when I returned home, so I switched our identification tags, letting them believe that it was I, John, who had been killed. And your brother went to certain death to get you a drink of water, and you repaid him by stealing his identity. Scott knew that I did not intend to kill Bill. He knew it was an accident and that I struck the blow to defend him against Bill's insults. Jot would have wanted it this way. So you're still hiding from the police. And that's why you get the flowers the way you do to put on your brother's grave. You're afraid somebody will recognize you. No, that isn't the reason. Let not your left hand know what your right hand doeth. My brother is buried somewhere in France. I put the flowers on some soldier's grave. I don't even want to know who he is. 
Every soldier's grave is an altar of sacrifice. And our Lord said, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be thou reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. I have been reconciled to my brother, and he has given me. So I lay my gift at the feet of the unknown soldier in my brother's name, remembering all that he has been to me. And so John made his peace with his twin brother, John. An investigation Captain Blake found that Bill had not been seriously hurt and soon recovered. John was in another branch of the service and the rest of the boys who had attended the party that night. He never learned the truth as he was afraid to inquire. He suffered from shell shock and was placed in the sympathetic care of that splendid institution, Soldier's Home, where today he has a little garden and raises lilies of the valley to place every Memorial Day on the altar of sacrifice. Thank you, Mr. Harris, for that very beautiful true-life story. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard Detective Nicholas B. Harris, chief of the internationally known Los Angeles Detective Agency, bearing his name in another true-life drama entitled The Altar of Sacrifice. Fictitious names and places have been used throughout this narrative, and any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. This story was dramatized for radio presentation by Adela Comer and is a Carolyn Carroll production. Mr. Harris wishes me to thank the following cast of characters. Charles E. Bender as John, George Ford as Captain Blake... Sidney Keene as May, Aldine Brennerman as Jonah, Vivian Vaughn as Helen, Andre Folk as Morrison, Bob Holton as Bill. Wesley Turtleout was at the organ. Mr. Harrison will again be heard next Sunday afternoon at 12.30 over this same station in the seventh of his new program series entitled The Penalties of Crime with Bob Palmer and his Utah Trail Boys, Frank Loris, Vidal Ortez, and Clarence Cutbirth. Mr. Harris and company will be heard again next Tuesday night at 8.15 in another most intriguing drama entitled The Phantom Riber. Jim Gibson speaking. This is KECA Los Angeles.